paying too much for health insurance? Frustrated by high deductibles, network restrictions, and increasing premiums? There's a better way. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM is a Christian community delivering a robust, faith based solution to the high cost of healthcare. If your current health insurance has become more of a racket than a remedy, take back control of your healthcare at around half the price. Learn more and enroll today at chministries.org. That's chministries.org. I'm Abby Hornacek. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, October 3rd, 2022, I'm Mike Emanuel. It will be a long road to recovery for many Florida residents, particularly in the southwestern region of the state. So far, President Biden and Republican Governor Ron DeSantis are working together on what is likely to be a historic cleanup and rebuild effort. I don't think we've had anything like this in the history of uh, the United States, at least in the state of Florida. Elisa Brady. Some investors who took the crypto plunge have been burned, fueling more questions about digital currencies. I think these youngsters that have really led the crypto craze are now questioning that. And I think it's a valuable lesson because over time, cryptos are going to be here. You just have to be more smart about how you trade them. And I'm Rabbi Sam Bregman. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. In the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, President Biden says his administration will work with Florida officials to pick up the pieces and rebuild. My team has been in constant contact with him from the very beginning. And, uh, and the mayors of Tampa, St. Pete's, uh, and uh, Clearwater. And my message has been absolutely clear, is that, uh, that we are on the alert and in action. It's going to be a massive job, particularly in southwest Florida, which was pounded by Ian. Jimmy Petronas is the state fire marshal and Florida's chief financial officer. This is by far the worst hurricane that I've ever been a part of. It'll probably be the biggest event that we've ever had in the history of the state of Florida as the worst of catastrophic dollar losses. For those who've lost everything or most of their possessions, patience will be key as it won't be a quick fix. There's a lot of cleanup ahead of the way. Um, You know, cars are not working, cars are wrecked. The garage was completely flooded and it was just a nightmare. Like you literally thought you were on the Titanic. Florida State Rep Fiona McFarland, who represents the Sarasota area, says misery continues days later. The hurricane hit us four days ago now, and we're still dealing with the downed trees, the power outages, the flooding from the rain on the coastal part. But now, four days later, what we're starting to see is our rivers on the inland side of the district are flooding. In the Tampa area, officials recognize they dodged a bullet. As meteorologists predicted early on, they would take a direct hit. Yeah, we were concerned, Mike, very much so. Gus Bilarakis is a Florida Republican congressman representing Florida's Gulf Coast in the Tampa Bay metropolitan area. You know, we, we have the uh, the enforcement is, is unbelievable. The, the emergency, the gold standards, uh, the operation centers uh, around our Tampa Bay area. So, you know, we were prepared as much as we possibly could, but... Uh, we were extremely concerned, and, uh, and I would say the vast majority of the people uh, followed the evacuation routes uh, and, and made sure that they were out of their homes, uh, in shelters or with loved ones. So 
It was scary, very much so. And we did as much as we possibly could, Mike, to be prepared. But I, I just feel, I feel for these people down south, our neighbors. And it's amazing. We're Florida strong. Uh, neighbor helping neighbor. And, uh, you know, we're collecting these packages to get down south. I've been working with uh, Byron Donalds, who is a congressman in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike, he says it's terrible. It's awful. And, again, we're very grateful that our area was relatively spared. Uh, we had some wind uh, and we had some flooding. Uh, and I want to make sure that all of our counties in the Tampa Bay area are included in, in the declaration the disaster declaration. Initially, President Biden only included nine counties. All the counties affected in Florida should be part of that declaration so they can be eligible for uh, FEMA funds. So many people in your great state are going to have to rebuild from the ground up uh, a long process. What's the process been like so far? And do you believe that Florida is receiving proper resources and funding from Washington? Yeah, you know, again, uh, the administration has been cooperating for the most part. But, uh, you know, initially only nine counties. We've added a few more that will be included in the declaration. But I, I really strongly recommend to the, uh, to the president that he include all the counties. For example, uh, in Pasco County, Florida, uh, we have a gentleman, an elderly gentleman, who has called us, and he has no roof now. And, and he's not eligible for FEMA assistance. Now, you know, we have a lot of private funding. There's no question. Uh, and so for the most part, the administration has been cooperative. We've gotten calls from various cabinet officials. But we need to do more. And I will tell you, the governor has done an outstanding job. Uh, and what's governor that been DeSantis like? DeSantis is really incredible. What's that been like seeing DeSantis, the governor of the great state of Florida, dealing with uh, Joe Biden in the White House? Uh, so far, so good? Well, so far, so good. You know, initially, uh, the president did not call the governor. His cabinet officials uh, were in touch. But then I guess they, the day after the storm hit, uh, the president made contact with the governor. So they've been cooperating. Yeah, they've put, been putting politics aside and that mostly our governor, our governor has been outstanding. Uh, he really has been very responsive. Again, we have the gold standard here as far as operations, emergency operations, particularly in Tampa Bay area, but throughout Florida. It's just that this is a, uh, this hasn't happened, uh, again, I said since 1921, but even going further back, I don't think we've had anything like this in the history of uh, the United States, at least in the state of Florida. You recently opposed the interim funding bill that would provide an additional $2 billion to FEMA. I understand why, but I want to give you a chance in case yep. folks listening haven't heard your explanation why you did not back that funding bill. Yeah. Mike, uh, first of all, it's a CR, continue resolution. I'm not for CRs. Okay. Secondly, we were not included in any of the discussions the Republican Party, the leadership, or any of our appropriators were included. Uh, but there's definitely money there for the disaster. Uh, and, and then we're going to assess the situation. You got to assess the situation to see how much money we need and we'll make that request. But initially there's, a, I believe about six billion dollars, uh, that's available right now in that FEMA fund. And then also another reason I oppose it, just one of many reasons, uh, you know, Mike, we should be keeping this money here at home. 
Uh, you know, we sent $60 billion to Ukraine uh, just a couple months ago. I voted against that. Now, this, this CR included another $12 billion. And just because the president uh, recommends that that happens, uh, no, no, no. We need to have accountability. And the money needs, what about us? The money needs to be at home. We could spend a lot of that money, again, uh, rebuilding Fort Myers area. So you're worried from experience about American taxpayer dollars being sent overseas with limited accountability, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, that's my responsibility. We have to be fiscally responsible, Mike. Uh, as you know, we're spending money. Ronald Reagan used to say uh, we're spending money like drunken sailors, uh, except for sailors spend their own money. These are taxpayer dollars. So, yes, I feel very comfortable with my vote against the CR. Gas prices were falling consecutively over the past few months, uh, giving many Americans hope that inflation was getting under control. However, gas prices have been back on the rise, with AAA reporting national average gasoline prices rising consecutively for two weeks straight as of Saturday, with grocery and utility bills continuing to skyrocket. What are your thoughts on these prices and how they're impacting your constituents? Well, Mike, I, I will tell you, you know, I have a lot of elderly constituents, mm-hmm. and, and they're on limited, most of them are on limited incomes. This is impacting them. It really is, seriously. And that's one of the reasons why they're offended that this money is going overseas and not staying home. That gas prices, we need energy independence. We do not need to be depending on these uh, our adversaries. And, and that's what, exactly what we're doing uh, with this administration. So... Uh, there are safe areas to drill uh, in our country, uh, and, and uh, you know we're talking about Anwar. Uh, we're talking about fracking. Uh, there's a lot. He's cut off all this, and uh, and it just doesn't make any sense. So the solution is domestic production, and uh, when we get control, hopefully we get the control uh, of the Congress in November, the House, and the Senate. We're going to have to put a lot of pressure on this administration to open up uh, the fracking. And I mean, the first thing you did was close the Keystone Pipeline. Didn't make any sense whatsoever. Speaking of the midterm elections coming up, uh, your leadership rolled out its Commitment to America plan, explaining how Republican leaders will act if they are to take power of the Speaker's gavel and committee chair gavels come November your thoughts on this proposal and what it would mean if Republicans are in charge of the various committees on Capitol Hill and running the House and the Senate? Yeah, well, we need to make difficult decisions, okay? We need to spend responsibly and uh, make sure that, uh, obviously, national defense is number one. If we're not safe, nothing else matters. Homeland Security, secure the border the economy, not depending on uh, foreign countries. The, the manufacturing must be here in the United States. We're dealing with the supply chain issue now. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to stop the spending uh, and, and balance the budget, for crying out loud. I mean, it's the least we can do. I know you uh, campaign hard. You get to know your constituents. You crisscross that district. Uh, there are a lot of issues out there right now. I'm wondering what issues are connecting most with your constituents right now. Is it inflation and gasoline prices? Is it the crime crisis in a lot of our big cities? Is it the border? Um, or is it something else? 
all the above. Now, you know, I'm a huge veterans advocate, Mike. You know that. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of veterans uh, in my area, and uh, it's my number one priority. Uh, we need to give the veterans everything they possibly, uh, they've earned and deserve. Uh, I have a particular bill right now uh, that's gaining a lot of steam. We have 316 co-sponsors in the House and 66 in the Senate. And what this will do is uh, correct an injustice. Uh, the concurrent receipt is what it's known as, and it has to do with medically retired veterans. Uh, they have to choose between getting their pension from DOD and in most cases, getting their pension from DOD and then also maybe cutting out, offsetting their pension from VA. Actually, it's not a pension. It's a disability uh, rating. Uh, they should be able to get 100% of their disability and 100% of their pension, particularly, first of all, they've earned it. So it's an injustice, but particularly during these troubled times when they're on limited incomes. So that's something that we really care about. Our veterans are, are number one. Uh, yeah, our seniors, again, dealing with the, with inflation. Uh, very, very difficult. Now, we have a lot of nonprofits in the area that are helping out, Mike. As a matter of fact, they're helping with the storm. Uh, a lot of folks are, as I said, collecting packages and getting them down to the Fort Myers area. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, secure the border, obviously. Uh, back to blue. I mean, look at our first responders. They're always ready. They're there for us. Mm-hmm. We need to help them. Uh, we need to... Fund the police, fund the police, not defund the police, uh, and that's a real problem. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna reverse all that, and that's in the commitment to America. Congressman Gus Bilirakis of the great state of Florida, my best to you, your family, and the great people in Florida as they clean up and rebuild after Hurricane Ian. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on. This is Rabbi Sam Bregman with your Fox News commentary coming up. 2022 has been a turbulent year for financial markets, to say the least, with inflation and efforts to fight it leading investors on a recession fear roller coaster, not just in the U.S., but globally. And digital currencies have been along for the ride, plunging in value and giving more ammunition to their critics. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon telling lawmakers at a House hearing in September. I'm a major skeptic on crypto tokens, which you call currency, like Bitcoin. They are decentralized Ponzi schemes. He argues it's too easy for criminals to use the unregulated crypto marketplace for things like money laundering and ransomware, though J.P. Morgan does have its own coin. Possible regulation fuels more debate. Neil Kashkari is president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. I keep asking anybody, anybody at the Fed or outside of the Fed to explain to me what problem this is solving. I can send anybody in this room $5 with Venmo right now. Kashkari telling an annual conference in August he's skeptical about a central bank digital currency, or CBDC. But cryptocurrencies in general have some undaunted fans. We are huge long-term believers in Bitcoin. That's something that's rooted in the culture of Riot Blockchain. We are a company of Bitcoin believers. Jason Less is the CEO of Riot Blockchain, one of the largest publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies in North America, and said during a Bitcoin conference in Miami, the reality is they have a rapidly scaling business. I think a new asset class 
generally is more volatile, right? Because there's not as much liquidity in the way that they run uh, the blockchain. Phil Flynn is a senior market analyst at the Price Futures Group and a Fox Business contributor. At the same time, though, it is definitely influenced by what's going on in the broader markets, whether it's a dollar or what the Federal Reserve is going to do. And I think over time, what you'll find is that the stock market and the correlation between the volatility and crypto is going to get more in line as the crypto market becomes more mature. There's definitely a risk factor here, and that appears to be sinking in. There's a new bank rate survey that found Americans weren't as comfortable investing in digital currencies this year compared to last year, down from 35 percent of Americans comfortable with it overall to 21 percent. Is that a sign that maybe crypto can't gain enough traction to stick around or is it still too soon to tell? I think it's way too soon to tell. And it's kind of interesting because I get young guys like my nephew and and these young computer guys that were early on the crypto craze, basically telling me, hey, you're missing out on the new big thing, right? The computer, the blockchain, all that good stuff, you know, where the old guys are a little bit like, hey, wait a second here. This this kind of stuff doesn't just go straight up, right? There's a lot of risk here. There's a lot of volatility. But I think what's happened is then all of a sudden, everybody wants to get in the hottest thing. They're jumping in. And, and when the market's going up, they're feeling great. I love this crypto thing. I feel real confident this is here to stay. But then they go through their first crisis, right? And, and you know, you, you start going through a situation where you start losing money and it doesn't go straight up. And now all of a sudden you question your very existence. So I think these youngsters that have really led the crypto craze are now questioning that. And I think it's a valuable lesson because over time, cryptos are going to be here. You just have to be more smart about how you trade them. Well, and it reminds me of something we hear a lot about the stock market, which is it should really be a longer term strategy, you know, to the extent that cryptocurrency isn't something you can just start and then stop quickly. um, Is that fact that it's more of a long term investment kind of a push away factor? Well, it really depends. Listen, I mean, I think the crypto universe is in its very early stages. In fact, the crypto market we see today, the most popular currencies, for example, Bitcoin and Ethereum, might not be the cryptocurrencies of the future. I actually think that as this market develops, we're going to see some dramatic changes. And the reason why I say that, there's an inherent problem behind these cryptocurrencies, and that's with the blockchain. And the blockchain has a problem for two reasons. Number one, it's not the most efficient way to move money around because there's a lot of power generation that's needed to mine for cryptocurrencies. So that's a negative, right? But the concept's incredible, right? That you can have a store of value that isn't going to be influenced by a Federal Reserve taking away the punch bowl, or you're going to have an asset class that can't be hurt by the crackdown of a particular government. So you can hold your value there. But at the same time, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be new technologies that are going to replace the blockchain. They're going to be a lot more efficient. And I think in the future, we'll be there. But from an investment, you know, would I tell somebody to buy a Bitcoin and put it away and forget about it? Probably not. I do think it's more of a tradable asset at this time because I think there's big changes coming. Well, and it also feels like 
to me anyway, and I could be wrong, but it feels like the whole concept of digital currency and blockchain, you know, is still a tricky concept for a lot of people. You know, do you get as many questions about that as you maybe did in the beginning? I do. I do. You know, it's funny in the beginning, you know, you used to be able to get Bitcoin on on your your Nintendo. I mean, seriously, we had people in the beginning that were mining, you know, these young kids. But I'll tell you, you have to take it seriously. And because the major central banks around the globe are taking it seriously, right? I mean, you have the United States. They're talking about moving the U.S. dollar to a digital currency. Uh, There's a lot of pluses and minuses, a lot of fear why that could be good or bad. But the thing is that you have to learn in the history of money it always changes. The thing is, is to get, when you when you invest these things in the short term, it's gonna be extremely volatile. I do think that a lot of these cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum are undervalued because of the, the turmoil in the economy right now. When that subsides, I think they're gonna be really good buys, but be on guard for the new cryptocurrency that's gonna be more energy efficient and more scalable than the technologies that they have today. Well, the Fed chief, Jay Powell, has said, as you alluded to, that, you know, a digital government currency could happen. He has said you wouldn't need cryptocurrencies if you had a digital U.S. currency. Would that wipe out other digital currencies if that happened? Would people feel better enough about having a government digital currency they could tap into versus one of these other cryptocurrencies? many people that would defeat the purpose of having a cryptocurrency. A lot of the crypto pioneers look at a currency not backed by a government or or a central bank as freedom. And freedom to do what you want to do with your store of wealth without a government being able to cut into the value of of what you own. You couldn't have the government change the interest rates on these things and make it worth less. So from that viewpoint, I think not only will you see global economies move to a digital currency because that is the future, but you're still going to have a very active crypto market to get away from all of the mistakes that have been made by central banks over the years. So that's why these cryptocurrencies are still attractive to these crypto pioneers. But what about the crypto scams? Florida bakery owner Lorena Brunson was saving money to relocate and invested in cryptocurrency after her son had some success through an Instagram tip. After a while, though, their contact at the website they were using demanded more than $60,000 in taxes to access profits and then stopped responding. I'm losing everything. I'm, I'm moving in with my daughter. I'm losing my home. I'm losing my business because I invested every dime that I had into this to try to, you know, to relocate. So should horror stories like that be scaring people away? It should be scaring people away. And and that's one of the scary things in any new investment. And listen, you know, scams, you show me any business in the world, there's scams out there. So you have to be extremely careful. I think investors have to protect themselves by dealing with reputable people. Now, one of the best ways I think for investors that have risk tolerance to do this is to work with an established exchange. For example, you have the Chicago Mercantile Exchange or the CME group as they're known. They trade cryptocurrencies on a regulated exchange 
They're monitored by the government. They're the biggest commodity change in the entire universe. And, and they have very strict rules. And that's a good way to not get scammed by some of these fly-by-night, you know, shams that are out there. How much is social media a driver of this? Because younger people especially tend to get a lot of their information through social media. I think it's huge. And, and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Okay. And admittedly, on, on social media, you can get some bad information. You can be misled. But at the same time, if you look at what's happened, for example, in the meme stocks and, and some of these things, in some ways, it's really unleashed a knowledge about the markets to young people that we didn't have, you know, when I was growing up. And I personally believe that if it's done correctly, uh, this free flowing of information can actually be a positive, just as long as the person that's getting that information is acting on it and basically taking it with a grain of salt or knowing where that information is coming from, you know, and just not act on it, do your own homework. But I do think the exchange of information has really even put some of the Wall Street pros on their back heels at times. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think these young investors coming in the market can rewrite the rules and, and make a much better economy with these new products and new ideas that you wouldn't have had without that participation. As you say, just be careful about the source of your information and, and really do your homework. One other thing about crypto, how pra- yeah. how practical is it really these days? You know, is it is it right. easy or easier to cash it out or to buy things with it? I think it's still difficult, right? You know, there's certain websites and, and that's the problem. It's a currency, it's a store of value. And that's what it is. It's, it's sort of like the old Razzles commercial. Is it candy or is it gum, right? I mean, it's both, right? And it is getting easier. There's some exchanges that take it. There's some apps that take it. And probably the best way I can make people understand it is it's comparing to the pay as you go apps on your phone, right? That you'd never used before. So, you know, like Apple pay even and things like that. So we're moving into that direction where it's going to be a lot more easy for people to spend, but it's going to take time for acceptance. It's going to take time for people on the other side, but Again, we are so much in the very early stages of the crypto revolution that's coming and you can't get out of the way of it. But at the same time, there, you know, you have to be very careful if you're going to be an early player. Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at the Price Futures Group and Fox Business Contributor. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Here's a look at the week ahead. The first Monday of October means the Supreme Court starts its new term. Members of the public will be able to attend oral arguments, and the nation's high court will continue its audio live stream it began at the start of the pandemic. Tuesday. If weather permits, four astronauts are set to launch to the International Space Station aboard a SpaceX Dragon capsule sent into space atop a Falcon 9 rocket. The two NASA astronauts will be joined by a Japan aerospace exploration astronaut and a Russian cosmonaut for a planned six-month mission. Wednesday. OPEC and non-OPEC partners, the energy alliance known as OPEC Plus, is set to meet. The group recently moved to cut oil production targets by 100,000 barrels a day. Industry analysts say the alliance is expected to continue with its current oil production policy. 
Friday. More than half of those living in California will start seeing stimulus payments of between $200 and $1,050. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Rabbi Sam Bregman. What's on your mind? For Jews around the world, this past week has corresponded with the annual high holiday season, beginning with the Jewish New Year of Rosh Hashanah, followed by Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, 10 days later. The messages of these holidays remain timeless ones for people of all faiths. These holidays are deeply affiliated with the idea of personal renewal and the ability for a human being to chart a fresh course in life. In particular, this fresh course is in the area of making an accounting of our lives and asking ourselves, life is so ephemeral, what are we doing here anyway? The Torah explains that since Rosh Hashanah corresponds to the sixth day of creation in the Bible, which is the day that God created Adam and Eve, it thus becomes an annual inflection point to contemplate the lives we're living in public and private and to pivot as necessary. It's vitally important to understand that tomorrow is promised to no one. And no matter how good we may have it today, our lives can be turned over in a brief instant. Personally, I'm recording this message against the backdrop of Hurricane Ian, which hit us on the west coast of Florida, where I live, with brutal strength. How many of us predicted a mere week ago that millions of lives would be permanently altered by such a catastrophic storm? None of us can take life for granted, and we must make sure that we infuse each and every day with some form of goodness or giving or other expression of spirituality that will outlive our brief and fleeting time on this earth. With all my heart, I wish you a beautiful, happy, and sweet new year. And I, with Jewish leaders around the world, wish that all of you should be sealed in the book of life. As we recite in the High Holiday Prayer Book, may the previous year and its curses conclude, and let the new year and its blessings begin. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.